Hey, this is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with us on demand. You know, I love it. You have the Word of God in your hand. Get it when you want to. We're going to talk about wealth today and how to be comfortable and sensitive. Sometimes when you prosper, you're not comfortable. I call it prosperity guilt. You feel bad. I don't know what I'm going to do with all this money. I don't know. I don't want everybody to know I have it. We're going to talk about that and the other side, how not to be arrogant, how you can be sensitive and caring. The Bible's real clear that God wants you to prosper. The Bible's real clear that wealth is not all about money, health and joy and peace and all that good stuff. Life does not consist, Jesus said, in the abundance of things you possess. So I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about having the whole of your life be amazing. So stay with me today. It's going to be a great study on demand. If you like it, send it and link it to a friend. I promise it'll be a blessing to them. Enjoy today's message. Thank you for being with us and thank you for hanging with us in this season. There is a, a topic today that I'm going to jump into it's real personal because for me, the journey has been a bit surprising. I've been shocked at my ah, personal struggle with this whole issue, my struggle with um, the, the discussion about prosperity. You know, for years, uh, there have been prosperity preachers, uh, and, uh, and I understand that. I, I don't know that I agree with the term. I think it's a little bit unfair because whenever you talk about money and you're a Christian or a pastor, some people think, oh, there you go, there you go, there you go. Well, I, I understand that some people have abused that, but I believe that the Bible talks more about money than it does about salvation or about heaven. I mean, it talks a lot about wealth building. It gives tremendous models from Genesis all the way forward. It shows you how people built wealth. They were farmers, they worked hard, and they understood that it's part of being fruitful. From the very beginning, he told Adam, be fruitful and multiply. And that's not just have babies. He wanted his whole life to be fruitful. He wanted him to tend the garden so it would grow and, take, and, and become uh, more productive. So all of that is God's plan. Seed time, sowing and then harvesting time. All that's God's plan in the earth. The problem is sometimes we get imbalanced. And I think there are two sides of the imbalance. And, and so the theme of the sermon is it's called the new wine of prosperity. And I've been talking about how you got to put new wine in new wineskins, right? You can't take old wine and put it, I mean new wine, and put it in old wineskins. Jesus basically was saying when he talked about that in the New Testament that you can't just go around with the old way. You have to open your heart to the new way. And one of the things you have to do is you have to, in this whole series I've been saying, okay, these are the things you have to do if you want your life to become all that God designed it to be. You have to be a person who's really honest and forthright and careful and truthful about, about everything. And one of the things is money, how you view and how you manage your money, how you, how you guide yourself through this process. And I mean that literally, you have to guide yourself because the world around you will confuse you. And I have been confused. And so there are two sides of what I want to talk about today that will be helpful, I think. It's brief and to the point, but it will help you. Number one, I want to talk about the importance of being a person who's comfortable. I want you to learn to be comfortable in this sermon. Comfortable with your success. Some of you have done well, and I want you to learn to be comfortable with it. It's okay to have something. And then secondly, you want to talk about being sensitive. Once you get to a place of success and you have some opportunities in your life that others don't have, you have to care about the poor. So I want you to learn to be sensitive, and I want you to be comfortable when you prosper. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to take our text from uh, the New Testament, the Old Testament, and I'm going to show you a text that just basically says it in a very profoundly simple way. The soul of the diligent shall be made fat. It's a tremendous verse that has tremendous meaning and has a tremendous power to it. 
And I think sometimes when you're when you're talking to people and you're saying, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to be, I want to be um, used of God. I want God to bless me. I want God to prosper me. Yeah, okay, you do. But if you want, if you want, uh, you know, if you want the Lord to bless you, then there are certain attitudes uh, that you have to have. And if you are afraid of uh, of money, if you're afraid of success, if you're afraid of of, of, of success, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. So Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4 is where I want you to look at. And in Proverbs 13 and 4, there is this incredible but profound, I mean profound message. Proverbs 13, 4. Here's what it says. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. That's the King James. <laughs> I love the, um, the way it says it in the, um, in the NIV uh, I love the I love the the new modern versions, but that old King James says it: "The soul of the diligent shall be made fat." Proverbs chapter thirteen. And I want you to notice that when you look at that verse, you go, "Man, that's powerful." It is Proverbs thirteen four. It it if I if I work hard, if I sacrifice, I'm going to do well, and that's what he said. So don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. Don't run from that. Don't allow yourself to be intimidated. But it's easy to be intimidated. It's easy to lose your way, and it's easy to become a person who is distracted. So I want to read a statement to you that kind of describes my journey with this whole thing. You ready? Here we go. Put it on the screen for you so you can see it. Once upon a time, I like that, in my life, I struggled with prosperity. I, I named these feelings prosperity guilt. <laughs> Preaching and prospering seemed to be, in many people's mind, a contradiction. In response to this, I found ways to give away my advantage. It took me years to settle in and embrace my own success differently. The Bible is right. There should be no condemnation of those who are in Christ. The Bible promises in Proverbs that diligence should, would lead to, as I said, prosperity and blessing. Now, that's my testimony. I put it in print for you so you can see it in living color. Bam. I went through a journey where I struggled. I felt that if I was a preacher, I couldn't prosper. I felt that if I, you know, I was supposed to serve, serve for free and whatever I get paid is fine and whatever happens is fine. And what happens is if you have a pastor like that, the church ends up being the same way. The pastor doesn't save money, the church probably doesn't save money. The church doesn't save money. Sometimes the church saves money, but the pastor doesn't save anything. He ends up poor and ugh, terrible. And you have, you have people that are like that. The pastor's asking for money all the time. Give, 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 give. And the members are giving, 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 giving. And they're poor and they're struggling. And he may get a new car, but the members don't strive. So it's just terrible. It's a terrible existence because nobody's really taking an honest look at what the Bible promises. Diligence should lead to advancement. You shouldn't be in this constant state of struggle. That's not God's will. And I, I struggle with that. So one, one more little statement I'll put on the screen for you. Here's what I thought. I was diligent, but emotionally unprepared for the advantages and opportunities prosperity would bring into my life. This sermon is about the importance of becoming comfortable with the decision to be diligent and prosperous. In order to excel in life, we must be intentional and unafraid of success. Can't be afraid. Now, I want you to, this for a minute, breathe in. Okay, and take this journey with me. Are you a diligent person? Are you a hardworking person? Well, if you are, then embrace it. Embrace it. And if you are, I want you to become sensitive to people that don't have what you have. I want you to think about people 
that don't have the job, the money, the security. And during this season, when we've seen uh, the disparity in our culture, where some of us are doing really, really well, and some are not doing well at all. Some of us have plenty of food, point to me, and some people don't have hardly any food. Some of us have, have seen like secure jobs when others don't have secure jobs. Do we care about the people on the other side of that? And that's the sensitivity part. So I want you to be comfortable with what you have, because if you don't have it, you can't do it. You know, people call us and ask us to do things as a church. They just call us and there's a number of new community things we're going to start doing for the community that we're working on. And we're really excited about it. But we can do it because we have facilities. We can do it because we have resources. We can do it because we have paid staff. We have people that can volunteer. We have hundreds of volunteers. So we can say, yes, we'd be glad to step up and help. That's only because we have resources. So I need to be comfortable having them which means I don't need to just give it all away like I said in my statement. I was un unprepared for the advantages and, oppor and opportunities prosperity would bring into my life. I was unprepared, and I didn't know how to do it. So what I did, I started giving it all away. I was uncomfortable, so I started giving it all away. At one point, I was giving away a third of what I took in, just giving it away. It's, God, you want to be blessed? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> and it's, a lot of that is just prosperity guilt. You just... You're not comfortable having, you know, somebody ask you for something, you feel like you got to give it to them because they ask you. You, you, don't, you don't have that place of comfort in your soul. So there are four questions I want you to think about just to kind of get us down the road a little bit. Four things to think about. Here's number one. What are your intentional plans to improve your financial life? Your money, your wealth. I want to know what your plans are. I'm just going to work. That's not a plan. It's not a plan. It's part of a plan, but that's not the plan. So what are your plans? Specific plans. Write them down. Some of you need, don't type, you need to write it down. Well, type it if you want to, but put it someplace. I have specific plans for this year, dated, named, and the number. I know what I want to make. I know what my goals are. What are your financial plans and goals? Number two, have you ever felt uncomfortable, uncomfortable because of your success? Be honest. You know, you're not, you go to people, you're ashamed. You go over to somebody's house, hey! Money is coming in the room. Look at money. Money is coming. You know, those are people just, ugh, ugh. you know, stop doing that to people. When people come around you, don't make them feel ashamed. Well, no, I'm celebrating with them. Eh, maybe. But you also could be mocking them. You also could be the person who's always got something to say about somebody that did a little better than you. Rather than using it as a point of admiration and, and, and celebration, they have to always contend with, this, this loud banter, you know, every time they show up. And I think people should be just allowed to be successful and be your cousin, be your friend, and not have to give you part of it. Well, Pastor Rick, that's the part now I agree, disagree with. They need to give me some of that money now. Uh, he can give me some of that money. See, there you go. That's the problem. Yeah, people sometimes can, be un can, can make you uncomfortable with your success. And have you, have you, have you dealt with that? Thirdly, you ready? Uh, what standards have you lowered to get along with those around you who have less ambition? Sometimes what you do in order to, to avoid being mocked, you just lower your standards. You just kind of let things go. I've seen kids do this in school. You know, the rest of the kids don't do homework, so you don't want to do your homework. You want to just spit in with everybody. Let me tell you something. Those are future broke people. Those are future homeless people, some of them. Now, not everybody homeless did it to themselves. They're victims. Not everybody, but there's at least one homeless person 
who's homeless because they wouldn't listen. There's at least one person whose car was repossessed because they refused to make the payment, even though they had the money. There's at least one person with a FICO score of five. You know, out of 850, that's the score. That's the high number. They got five because they won't pay people. Somebody says, do you know somebody with a five score? I hope it's not you. But do you <laughs> but see, think about this? There are people that won't do right. That's why the policemen have a job, because there are people that won't do right. Some of you watching me now, you, you're, you're professional Christian criminals. You're always doing something with your Christian self. I love the Lord Jesus. And then you steal right, right after you say that. You're smoking, you got, you got illegal drugs right there in your house. Right, Look around, you're on the left or the right. I'm talking to, yeah, you, police coming. No. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. How are you going to be like that? You know better. Stop. Okay, here's my point. There's some people that they're not going to do right. No matter what you say, no matter how you say it, they're going to steal stuff. The clothes you got on right now, you, you lifted them. They're hot, they're hot clothes. They catch a fire. And some of this is because you decided. And sometimes you're trying to get along with people. You lower your standards, and it doesn't work. You know, I'm sorry. You got me off. I'm back. You ready to go? <laughs> it's your fault. You got me off. I got on, on a tangent. So then, right again, number one, what are your intentional plans? All right, number two, have you ever felt uncomfortable? And number three, what standards have you lowered? What standards have you lowered to get along with people to fit in? Because you don't want to be the odd person. And I, I said, don't worry about those people because I'm telling you, in the end, they won't, they won't, it won't turn out well. It never does. Here's number four. This is important. It's a long question. You ready? Do you still have a cartoonish view? Cartoonish. I love that word. Cartoonish view of building wealth. Are you standing in a field declaring you will grow apples with no seeds in your hands like a cartoon character with magical powers? I love all that. Here's what I'm saying. Here you are saying, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be, and you're not, you're like, like a cartoon. You're not doing anything to get there. You're standing in the middle of the field, and I'm going to grow apples, and you have no seed in your hand. You have nothing. I always tell people this. Give God something to work with. If you want to build wealth, you want to build a future, you want God to prosper you, give God something to work with. Some of you students, you, you're in school goofing off. What's wrong? Come on now. You, how are you, you're not giving God anything to work with. Somebody said, well, I know somebody. They went to college and they still can't get a job. Yeah, but at least the application looks better. They have a chance. Some places you can't even apply. You ought to thank God they at least went to college. They may have some debt. They may be maybe a mountain to climb. It may be difficult. They may not, they may not forgive all the debt you want, but at least you have something in your pocket you can use. Keep, keep swinging. Keep trying. Nobody's going to give it to you for free. Keep trying. Here's the biggest mistake you make in college. Somebody owes you something. They owe you anything. You go get it. The Bible said knock, Matthew 7. Mm -mm -mm. Knock, seek, and ask. Talked about that last week. Knock, seek, and ask. Keep knocking. Keep asking. I'm sorry. Ask, seek, and knock. Got to get that right. <laughs> I got to ask. Got to seek. Look for it. Knock, and in the Greek, it means keep on acting. Present active indicative. Keep on. Keep on. Don't just ask one time, seek one time, knock one time. It's that continued action where you're always going after it. I'm always going after it. I'll be going after it until I get ready to die. When I get ready to die, I'll, 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 this is how I want to die. You ready? I want to be negotiating a big deal 
And then I said, hold on for a second. I've been to dine a few minutes. Hold on, y'all. Yeah, make sure you do that. Yes, make sure you transfer that. Yes, okay, goodbye. That's it, after that. After I finish the deal, okay, God, I'm ready to go. There you go, take me out. I want what? I, I want to go, go after it. I'm going after it as long as I can go after it. Do it as long as I can do it. Win souls, preach, pray, do all I can do. What are you doing? Standing in the middle of a field like a cartoon character, expecting somebody going to give you something. Expecting it's going to grow for free. No, you have to want it. And as I close, let me give you the final part of this. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to be the kind of person who's sensitive. I want you to not only, not only be a person who's going after it and you're determined, but I want you to be sensitive to those who are poor. That's what the Bible says. And God gave some financial advice to Israel that demonstrated this. Now, this is an important section because what I want to do is I want to turn now from this idea of being comfortable, okay? And I want to turn now to the idea, because the Bible says that you can be comfortable. The soul of the diligent shall be made fat. I want you to be comfortable, but then I want you to also be sensitive, okay? Sensitivity is, is uh, modeled in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 1 through 3. Now, this is something that would be a real shock to our country. They had what's called the year of Jubilee. You couldn't put people in debt more than seven years. It was a seven-year length. And then you couldn't charge interest. Um, there was this whole way that they structured the economy that you prospered, but not on the backs of the poor. That was it. You could prosper, but you just couldn't use poor people as a leverage to make you rich. One of the challenges that churches, ministries, people, governments, everybody has to consider is how are we impacting the people that don't have what we have? Here's what he says, Deuteronomy 15 and 1. Every seventh year, you shall grant a remission of debts, removal of debts. And this is the manner of removal of the remission. Every creditor, every creditor, every creditor, Every creditor, one more time, car loans, student loans, whatever kind of loans, every creditor shall remit the claim that is held against the neighbor, not exacting it of a neighbor who is a member of the community because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. Now, in other words, you got to forgive everybody every seven years flat. Let me read on verse three of a foreigner. You may exact it, but you must remit your claim on whatever any member of your community owes you. New Revised Standard Version. Now, here's the bottom line of that. You have to be careful how you treat each other. That's what he says. That was God's advice to Israel. And what he's talking about is the danger of long-term debt. Now, I, I understand debt. I've used debt. Me and the bankers are good friends. We get along real well, number one, because I pay them. And I understand debt, and I've got all the credit cards. I know I know about all of that. Trust me, I know, I know, I know. But I've learned something. Whew, hear me carefully. Number one, first big mistake, right? You're not comfortable with your money. And you, you, you end up giving it all away. So you end up using debt to leverage your, your, your assets at certain seasons. And you wouldn't have to do that if you did not use a, whole level, a high level of debt. Now, church is doing this with these buildings. We worship buildings. And we, we have all these facilities, and there's nothing wrong with it if they serve a purpose and you can pay for it. God bless you, it's good. But the danger of long-term debt, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, <laughs> where, where you, 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 like that old song says, Oh, my soul to the company store. 
tell St. Peter, I can't come because I owe my soul to the company store. 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Tell St. Peter, I can't go because I owe my soul to the company store. <laughs> do you remember that song? Oh, man, I, I, I used to own that thing. Matter of fact, I still got it. Play it sometime. You know, when I'm talking to people and they're in bondage to that, I play it behind me in the background. I say, Pastor Rick, what's that? I said, just a song, ignore it. You know, there, there are times when, you know, it's just, just terrible. It's terrible. And I almost led our church down that road. We had to have all this stuff, you know. And I'm not against it. I thank God I changed my mind and God stopped us. But because we are following the crowd and now we've got to be careful. We've got to change. Matter of fact, we've got a whole payout plan. We've got a little bit of debt, but we're going to pay it on out. But I'm telling you, and it's possible now because of your generous giving and what's happening now and some exciting things that are going on. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited. But I'm telling you, this is, I know about this. And, and by the way, this is, this is a, a powerful principle because notice that God told Israel, you guys, you guys can't keep creating poor people. You're creating poor people. Here's what he said in verse 4. I got to keep going. I got to get done. Deuteronomy 15, 4. There will, however, be no one in need among you. The NIV says this way. There will be no poor people among you. Because the Lord is sure to bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you as a possession to occupy. If only you will obey the Lord your God by diligently observing this entire commandment that I command you today. Be sensitive not only to the dangers of long-term debt, but be sensitive to the needs of the poor. You, you got to care. There's, there's, no, there's no way. I, you know, I feel this sometimes. And I'm wondering, you know, here we are planning services and planning events and having church and won't be crowds and all that's great. All that's great. Nothing wrong with that. But what about the poor people outside? What about the poor people that come to your church, don't have any wealth? What about the poor people sitting right there in your, in your church who barely have food? Or who, What about the poor people? who can't pay their rent, who got student loans that got them drowning. Who, what, about the, what about the struggling people? They pray their way to church because they can't afford to fix their car. You got to be sensitive. Once you get comfortable with your wealth and success, you got to care about other people. You got to join the fight for the poor. I, I, I told this a few weeks ago, one of the most touching stories in my life was my little daughter came to me and she took a little piece of paper and tore it in a little piece of paper and she had a number on it, a little piece of paper. She watched on TV the hungry children. And she came to my office at the house and she said, Daddy, do something about this. Came to her hero, told him to do something about this. I make sure that we support St. Jude and United Way and other things, and not just church, by the way, just as a sidebar. I want to be in the fight. I want to be in the fight. Hunger groups, missions groups, I want to be in the fight I want to make sure that I don't see all the hungry children I've seen on television. I never supported any of them. I never picked up the phone and called and said, let me get $15 a month. I never did anything. That's a shame. That's a shame. It's a shame. What, when, do, when will I ever care about the poor? I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about what churches become. We plan services, have events, shout together, get together, have a big, big ball, big time. And now we're trying to hurry and get back in because, oh, boy, you got to get back in the church now. 
Got to get back in the building. Jesus had a building, you know. 119 Jerusalem Avenue. You didn't know that? Jesus had a building and he had a worship team and he had a choir and he had, a, he had, a, he had services at 9 and 11. Didn't you look in the Bible? It's right there. Jesus had all that, right? Had deacons and elders and they were all around him and they, was, they, was, they, they were having pastor's appreciation. All that's what, that's what church is. You against pastor's appreciation? Of course not. I'm a pastor. Why would I be against that? I'm, <laughs> I'm not against that. I'm simply saying that that's not why we exist. We don't exist to create some ritualistic culture where we all gather and do our church thing, put on our best clothes. No, we shop when we come up in the building. I'm in the house. God bless you. Bless you, darling. God bless you. Bless you. Good to see you. Miss you. Been missing you on this pandemic thing. Glad to be back in the house of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I mean, is that, is that, is that what this is about? People outside the church door hungry? Well, Temple, you're mocking church now. No, I've been doing church for 39, 40 years. I'm a pastor. Got a lot of people. I get it. I get it. I get it. Man, do I get it. <laughs> Man, do I get it. About kill yourself trying to plan all this stuff. At the peak of our ministry, last few years, I go, went back a few years ago, we we're doing 25 to 30 services a month for a weekend. Wednesday night, Thursday night, man, Saturday service. Oh, I know about church. I've done preached, I have I, I done preached thousands of sermons. I know about church. Raise millions of dollars. I know about church. I know about church. Pastor thousands of people. I know about church. Buried hundreds of people. I know about church. But he didn't die for us to do church. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news. Not get people to join your church, not get people to sign up to be on your role. We've, we've turned into institutionalist. It's about institutionalizing this whole idea of getting people to come in the building, be a part of our group, sign on our line. And nowadays it's hard to get people to sign a membership role. They don't know why they need to be a member. We know it's a challenge for us. Ask some of y'all to be a member. Y'all just do for what? I just want to look. I don't want to join. <laughs> That's bad. We need, to, we need people that are committed. But I understand what people are struggling with. What people really want to be is a part of a movement. That's what I want to generate. I want to be a movement, an enriched, powerful, strong, financially strong, emotionally strong, clearly directed, mission-driven organization that's committed, a group of people that say we're on fire to make a difference in the world. We want to help people, kids learn how to read. We want to help people, people who don't have anything, have something. We want to be a center. We want to be a place, not where we're trying to take up all your time. Take up all your time. Once you come, all your time. Come on, every week, every day. Come on in here, sit and hear me. I want everybody to come to me and hear me. No, it's about you coming in here like a gas station, getting charged up and going back into the world. I may not see you for two or three weeks. What kind of friends do you have that got to see you every week? Every day, all the time. We want all your time, your money, all your focus. Breathe Ricky Temple. It's okay to raise money. 
It's okay to have a building. It's okay to have a church service. It's okay as long as we're gathering to go and make a difference in the world. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? I hope you hear me today. It's, it's okay if all of that is not just us marching around the barracks, entertaining each other and shouting together and saying we had church and we feel good. And at the end of the day, we're broke, don't have any money, don't have any wealth, can't make a difference anywhere, struggling, struggling, struggling and not prospering. <laughs> and we forget the God who blessed us. Verse 6 of this, Deuteronomy 15, here's what he said. When the Lord has blessed you, when the Lord your God has blessed you, as he promised, when it comes and I've blessed you, I want you to lend to nations. I want you to go help people. I don't want you to borrow. I, I, you, you will rule over many nations. They're not going to rule over you. I want you to be in a position. I want to place you. The God who called you wants to put you in a place of blessing so you can help other people. And you can't do that without wealth, without resources. You can't do that if you're living from week to week and day to day. You're so busy trying to be spiritual, your whole life is wrecked. Look around you. Look around. You. What is this mess? Why is it like this? Why? Why every day? Why? 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 When is this going to end? When are we going to stop and get a, get a grip? There's a fourth point I want to make about sensitivity that kind of fits in an awkward way here, but I, want to, I, I read this thing. It's, it's a secular comment made by the Greeks, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But let me make the statement because I want you to note these. I said, now be sensitive to the dangers of long-term debt, right? Remember that. These are the need, the, the need to be sensitive, okay? And when you prosper, number one, be careful of long-term debt. Number two, be sensitive to the needs of the poor. Talked a lot about that, right? Be sensitive to the God who blessed you, right? Remember, remember that when the Lord your God has blessed you, when he's promised you, remember. Remember, remember who gave it to you. One verse even says, when you get to the promised land, don't forget the God who gave it to you. He told him in, in Deuteronomy, don't forget. I'm the God who gave it to you. Remember the Lord your God who gave it to you. But here's the fourth point I want to make. I want you to be sensitive and aware of the true reality of prosperity. Now, this is important. <laughs> prosperity is not what it looks like up close. It's not. Hardworking, prosperous people have less than you, you think up close. Sometimes when you work hard and you prosper, it's not what it looks like. Number two, hardworking, prosperous people often are disappointed by their success. The, the success oftentimes when you get there and you have money or you have whatever opportunity, the golden place you want to be, the, the, you know, once you get to that place, you know, that, that mountaintop, you discover it's not what it looks like. As a matter of fact, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. But when it's realized, it's a tree of life. It does say that in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. But the first part is, is so true for some people who have gotten to their place of success. It's, it, it, they got there and the hope they had when they got there, wasn't what they thought. They found themselves saying, man, I thought when I got married and had, had this beautiful wife, I'd be happy, but it didn't turn out that way. And, and it almost feels like in some strange way that the hope is deferred. It's not what I thought it would be. It's not the tree of life that I thought it would be in Proverbs 13. It's not, it's not what I thought. 
I thought that when I became a pastor and I had people that I would be really excited. I thought when I had this, I thought, I thought, but, but up close, it's not what it, it appeared that I thought it would be. <laughs> Hardworking, prosperous people have to adjust to the reality of their dream. Now that I'm in business, I've got to adjust to staff and payroll and all the things that come with the job. And I become part of this hardworking, poor group. And there's a statement I'll put on the screen I want you to hear. Traditionally, Greeks use the term poor to describe the working poor as opposed to the rich, but distinguish them from the destitute beggars. According to this guy, I love his name, Aristophanes, in a play, Plotus, he says, quote, it's the beggar's life. Listen to this now. It's the beggar's life to live possessed of nothing, but the poor man's life to live frugally and by applying himself to work with nothing to spare indeed, but not really in want. Pause for a second. There's a book called Loving the Poor, Saving the Rich, Wealth, Poverty, and Early Christian Formation. Okay, long name, interesting book. Here's what this book says. This is where the quote comes from. The bottom line is, Aristophanes understood that beggars have nothing. I'm paraphrasing it now. Poor men live carefully with nothing to spare, while the rich have abundance. So three groups. There's the beggars, and then there's the, there's the poor men in the middle. That hardworking guy who's got a business, but he doesn't have anything to spare. The rich have everything. They have plenty to spare. But, the, but, but most of us live right there in that middle. If you're not careful, you can work hard, build a business, have a lot. And some of you can really relate to this. And you still don't have much to spare. And you're, you're a six-figure person. You're, you, you got $100,000 a year and you're still struggling. You don't have much to spare. That's, that's the challenge in this country. Some of you work really are two family, two incomes, two and a half, three. And you still like the working poor, Aristophanes talked about. And that's hard. It's hard because you are facing the true reality of prospering. prospering. It's not always what you want. You built a career 30 years, 20 years, and you still don't have the margin you want. You're struggling with it. Now, I, I, I read that because I, I felt I could relate to that. I feel God wants you to get to a place of real comfort, reevaluate your life, reevaluate your life, and I want you to be sensitive to even these hardworking business people that you think are rich. Some of you work for somebody and you think the guy's rich and you're not, you're not working hard, because, but he's a working poor guy trying to keep your payroll going. He's a working guy. He has more. I know you may say, ah, no, he ain't poor. Listen, to him, there's not much margin left. It may be more margin than you have, but that businessman who's struggling, that farmer who's got 50 acres, 100 acres, 200 acres, he's, he's trying to make the ends meet still. He's not like the rich people who have no margin problems. He's, talking, he's a guy who's still trying to keep you paid. That's why you need to go to work and be good. Do your job. Help him be successful. He can have a good year and a bad year. You got to be able to help him. Ah, oh, man. Aristophanes was right. Churches are like that. They look rich, but they're cash poor. 
they're like what this guy said. They look wealthy, but if you zoomed in close on that balance sheet, it's tight. Their income is on the 10th floor. Their expenses are on the 12th floor. Oh, yeah. It's not like it looks up close. They got big services and lots of people and an underpaid staff. Low benefits. Here's what I want you to be. Truly prosperous with margin so you can do good in the world and be at peace in your heart and mind. Man, my time is up. I got to go. Thank you for your time. This has been amazing. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share this word with them today. I thank you for the minutes they've given me. I pray for everyone who feels like the working poor, the nurses, the doctors, the doctors who, who make good salaries, but their costs, their insurance, their staff, the, the payroll, the startup costs, they're fighting it. Give them peace. For those, Lord God, who have margin, who feel guilty because they have margin, help them be at peace as well. May they not feel guilty because they've been able to do what others can't do. And I pray for the poor, those who have nothing. And I pray, God, that all of us would learn in this culture to prosper and to be balanced. And Father, I give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, it's been a great joy to share with you today. Next week, I've got a great message I don't want you to miss. I'm going to talk about families next week. And I can't wait to talk about how some people in family are amazingly uh, uninformed when it comes to the subject of money. So next time I'm going to talk about how to teach your family to set a financial destination and strategy. Does your family have a strategy and a financial plan? Well, I'm going to show you next week how to put one together. And I'll really, I really, really, really look forward to sharing with you what the Bible says about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I thank you for being with me. If you've been with us for the first time, we thank you for joining us today. I want to thank you for those of you who support us. I want to thank you for being a part of our family. My time is up and I really got to run. So you be blessed. Some, some weekends, by the way, we have people, uh, we gather at the end of the service and we gather for the purpose of just hanging out. So if you see a, a note up there on the screen and it's one of those Sundays, make sure you join us. I want to close out with a prayer for those of you who want to start a life with Jesus. Some of you have said, Pastor, I, I, I heard you today. Could you pray for me before we leave? I sure can. Father, I pray for those who want to start a life with Christ after hearing today's message and they say, I need Jesus in my life. I, I'm one of those working poor people trying to make it. I'm one of those people that's trying to find my way. God, give me peace. I need you in my life. And Father, I pray this will be the start of their new walk with Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message. I like that part about long-term debt. Wow, stay out of that stuff. How it can get you in trouble. Some things you got to do. Got to buy a house. You got to buy a few things. If you're in business, you got to invest in the infrastructure. But keep it down. Try your best. Boy, I've learned that lesson. Try your best to be sensitive and careful. I love the part also about being sensitive to the poor. People that don't have. That whole idea that you can be the working poor. That you can work all your life like that philosopher said, and end up feeling like a poor person. And then be sensitive when you're blessed. Don't forget the God who blessed you. Don't forget the God who gave it to you. When God gives you something, honor him. Talked about a lot today. I hope it helped you. Let me pray with you. Father, let this be a day when we, where we heard a message that made us think about wealth differently, that broadened our hearts and minds to embrace with comfort the gift you've given us, but yet to be sensitive. And so we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for sharing with me today. Thank you for allowing me to be in your life. If this message blessed you, link it, send it to a friend. It's a free gift. You know, it's a way of helping people. So feel free to do that. Hey, it's been a joy. See you next time right here on demand. My name is Ricky Temple. Bye-bye.